What's up guys, this is Sean and welcome to another episode of the Eheng Podcast And today, I will be sharing like the 5 top lessons that I've learned after visiting 100 properties For those who know right, this channel has a property review section to it Where I visited, I think to date it's like 105 different property reviews really But in actual fact, I need to visit more because sometimes the unforeseen circumstances like rain and emergencies Technical issues, suddenly no video, suddenly no audio and things like that And very proudly, I can say that I think I'm the only one in Malaysia documented more than 100 different properties and these are the findings that I find rather interesting. Number one would be the main difference between branded and non-branded developments. And temporarily, for just for this discussion, we'll be public listed and not public listed because public listed companies, they have brand awareness, they have more KPIs, they have more system in place in comparison to those who are not public listed. Because if you look into a public listed developer company, right, the size of the team is actually bigger where you have better systems in terms of QC, in terms of customer service, in in terms of uh, accountability and responsibility in terms of communication they need to be really cautious about what is being communicated and they cannot risk anything to the big brand on the other side smaller developers maybe the office is like 15 18 people that's about it which one person is one department marketing one person project one person technical one person then the rest is like sales two person and then the boss and the boss is heavily involved in the entire development process for those less systems are actually implemented because it's more of a one-man team two-man team kind of a thing however this puts them into advantage where operation cost is lower and the things that they offer are different so let's look into them in more detail branded developers right they have a lot of ads meaning the awareness campaign is there the conversion campaign is there the amount of message the amount of videos and creative that they produce on newspaper tv internet youtube whatever right then you can really see that the lifestyle and elements to them and i think these are very very suitable if you are looking for a home right of course those kind of marketing campaigns and systems in place do cost money that's why you can see like branded stuff and non-branded houses right meaning like this is a public listed company this is not there's a gap in between because they need to fulfill certain criteria just to be public listed for example you need to have a land bank of a certain size i think 1000 acres just to be public listed as a developer in malaysia they will need to declare everything which includes like the expenses and some of the things because of the nature of the development business you need a lot of support from the authorities there are certain things that are not making sense in terms of the accounts so for smaller developer then on this side they are actually winning because they can design things faster they can make decisions faster and things like that although the smaller developers are actually more swift right they are quicker but i don't see any innovations in the smaller developments instead i see a lot of new innovations from public listed companies just because they have way more case studies for example let's just take like eco world the amount of landed houses that they need to do and another example would be Sime Dhabi, right they are humongous developers they have developed township again and again and again and it's proven so with that right they felt that all this kind of reputation do fetch a little bit more premium so if i'm buying for an own state which one would i choose i would actually be more inclined to pick from these bigger players because they do have better customer service i have a bigger say 
and there will be more certainty in the design and outcome of their construction quality design and approach to the facilities for example and things like that because they will not risk one bad apple to spoil the whole basket every year they are launching maybe 10 12 different properties and they would not let one property to jeopardize the whole entire reputation of that for example let's say one project that just launched right and they hand over and there's a lot of problem in terms of construction quality or in terms of defects right there's just too many complaints in the market guess what this property developer will most likely right be spending a lot more time and effort and money just to address all this even if this particular project is making a loss they have the rest to actually buffer it up because if one apple oil it will affect the entire basket of them but if i'm going for an investment high returns is the only thing that matters the most right even with substandard building construction or building quality right it's okay because i'm buying the location and just buying a space most probably because of the entry price is way lower already meaning in comparison with a public listed company and a non-public listed right i think the one that is not public listed already do fetch a higher premium for the team already so they can actually be offering a lower price just for the the same spec and same location and that kind of links to the second point which is the ignorance of buyers towards common areas a lot of the buyers right they only know the few things the price the location the packages in terms of marketing like, like how much they need to pay and stuff whether they got cabinet or not right all those kind of things they are very familiar but they have no clue at all about common areas for example your unit is it close to the refuse chamber or not and what are the specs in terms of the gym room in terms of your learning center in terms of all the community stuff lah, right all those are things people usually don't care they only look at the floor layout as per se right but I would actually suggest buyers today, right? Buyers to actually look a bit bigger. Guess what? All units, right? I think with the pace of development in Malaysia, we somewhat already created the best possible floor layouts already, the most effective, the most efficient ones already. So the floor layout is not going to matter much, but what's going to be very different, right? It's the experience of going into your unit, which means that the corridor width, the density of unit per floor layout and the lift lobby and the number of lifts and maybe even the speed and specs of the lift car and the security measures and your lobby and your drop-off area. How is the drop-off area going to be like? And one thing that a lot of people do ignore, right? Or maybe they just don't even know that it exists is like storerooms and a drop-off area for trucks. Many may look at the lift lobby. Oh, it's amazing. The design is amazing, but they did not allow a space dedicated for trucks to move in furnitures and things like that. So for every new handover projects, right? The initial six months is going to be a nightmare, both for workers as well as residents because it was not thought through. All the workers will just need to wait for that one particular construction lift or they call it service lift la, or fire lift. So they will all wait right in for that one lift all the time to get the furnitures up to the dedicated units while the three remaining lifts is empty and this slows down a lot of things and with this you delay the entire construction project. Then this leads to a lot of uh, possibility that common areas will be damaged. For example, the lift car will be damaged. The lift lobby's flooring might be damaged. This happens a 
lot to mixed development projects as well. For example, if there's a component of office, of if there's a component of retail, and the level of property buyers today is just still very zoomed in to price, but people don't look at features. And I maybe because also developers are not selling. Like I don't see any developers are selling you the ceiling height of the leaf lobby versus the ceiling height of the unit. Most of the emails that I receive, right, is like this unit. Sean, I thought everything was okay, but when I go to the unit, I was very disappointed with what i don't know it's just not as expected because you don't actually have a total understanding of what you're buying you're buying just because your auntie buy your uncle buy your sister buy and they just push you to buy then when i buy oh no it's 16 units per floor layout it's going to be super dense then there's only two leaf cars every day the leaf broken and this land that la. these common i'm not sure whether should i tell but anyway these common areas right are mostly the areas that the developer will cut costs on for example let's say this project halfway during construction they realize that they burst the budget and the sales is not very good developers will need to find means to cut costs and where do they target they will not target elements in the actual unit itself because that's where you are zoomed in right but i will actually cut in terms of common area specs for example the now the corridor is actually 2.25 and whether you like it or not i really don't need your consent because there's nothing that you sign on that ties common areas between the buyer and the developer again for mixed developments especially for the retails a lot of people buy into stories such as oh we already get anchor tenants uh, we already have this brand this brand this brand but merely the salesperson just put the logo into the presentation deck there's no proof or nothing right and there have been stories and some of the property reviews that we have done right it was they were promised the world to them for like for example there's going to be a cinema here there's going to be an international school here but when they get the keys nothing and they realize that they have nothing to hold against the developer because it's actually part of their blind spots so the amount of blind spots that these buyers do not know right is really a lot they missed out a lot of things and i'm just wondering like to what degree that developers will want to disclose all this information because the more the developer disclose to the property buyers right the more it limits because just in case the project do not do well they will find ways to cut again then most of the comments will say like sean is very obsessed with the ceiling height with the refuse chamber with the fire escapes and things like that right because purely from a developer background and architecture background right technicality wise like we mentioned all units will look perfect right because that's the only part that most buyers look into but what differentiates between a good and a great developer right are the treatments on common areas such as areas that you don't really care but you use every day and i judge that based on refuse chamber because if you look into the condition of refuse chamber sometimes you see full tiles that is ease for the maintenance team in the future and these are thoughtfulness by the developer based on the refuse chambers quality i can already judge the entire project meaning an area that is so hidden and so out of the limelight right and you still have the experience and the technical support to actually make this space very decent i think the rest right is going to be amazing already because most of the time they will just give you a very fancy entrance that's about it a very fancy logo with led light everybody like wow got led light or oh, got landscape but if you go into the common areas it's just like shit then 
Point number three, 95% of floor layouts in Malaysia, right, looks the same, especially for high-rise buildings. Actually, I presented this theory like six years ago la, to the developer and actually implemented the online purchasing and customization system that I told you guys about, right? So to just provide context on this statement, the main reason why all apartments somewhat looks the same is because it's a business, right? For business-wise, profitability is very important. So it means that the ratio between the area that I can sell the versus the area that I cannot sell is very important. And in the development world, it's called floor layout efficiency. Okay, so the standard is around 75%, 70%, right? It means that let's say I built 50,000 square feet per floor layout, the units that I'm going to sell to everyone is going to consist of minimum 35,000 square feet. So these 35,000 square feet that I can sell, I actually make money out of it. So the remaining 15,000 square feet it's consists of fire staircase, refuse chamber, corridor space, and etc. So architects has been pressured to come up with a perfect floor layout that have the best balance between daylight, uh, ventilation, as well as experience, right, against profitability. So the floor layout that is the most effective, right, is somewhat like a hotel where the lift lobby is in the center and the units are actually surrounding the core. So in this kind of layout, right, it's going to be very dark in the corridor because there's no penetration or no open areas at all. It means also no ventilation, no daylighting. It's going to be very eerie. 24-7, you're going to depend on artificial lighting but it makes a lot of sense in terms of profitability but that results in very poor experience we do see some projects with amazing floor corridor space right amazing openings here and there but the project is not sellable because the floor layout is not making money. Also part of the reasons why all this floor layout look the same or all high-rise buildings in Malaysia, right? You know innovation when some of the comments may say it's because of the regulations that we need to oblige to. Number one, fire requirements. Like there's this thing called a running distance, meaning from a door to another exit for every room, there's a limit. I think here is like 10 feet or 15 feet. I forgot really. So all these spaces are designed with the very strict fire requirements. That's why that kind of limits innovations. Some of the comments again, like why must the developer provide so many irrelevant things in the facility stack for example like kindergarten why must every building have their own kindergarten why must all buildings have their own dobi and convenience store and etc right all these spaces most of all these spaces right are actually empty why the developers still want to provide them the developer wants to eat my money is it the answer to that is uh, those are re building requirements like for prima projects they don't have a swimming pool the gym is also kept very minimal that's just a public park and those might make sense in terms of cost Costing, but I don't see a huge saving as well. Maybe if any of the minister or building authorities are actually watching this, right? Maybe these spaces, rather than being a compliance, right? You can actually trade them with car park spaces because the thing is this a lot of buildings in malaysia right do have a car park issue it means that when all residents are actually staying in right many of the tenants or owners do not want to pay for the additional car park this results in a very congested public road if you look into any condos in malaysia right the road outside the condo usually is Packed. And this is again a very contradicting issue like, because car park again are perceived as costs in the eyes of the developer. Then the calculation of car park space, some may differ between service apartments and condominiums. So some may tie to one unit, you will have two car parks and some is calculated as every 1,000 square feet I built, I will need to provide two car parks or 1.5 car park. Again, this may sound a little bit technical, but if you get it, it's good. If you don't, 
is okay, right? So these are just the observations that I find and that kind of explains why all buildings in Malaysia somewhat look very similar. The next finding will be many property buyers do research after buying in comparison to before. It means that after they buy that particular property, then they will request me to do the property review in order to somewhat justify their purchase. Like I, I read a lot of regret emails like saying like I bought this just because I fear of missing out, right? The FOMO syndrome again. Then I realized that the developer didn't have a good track record. The developer didn't do this. Actually, they didn't provide this. I didn't know next to it was a low cost flat. They didn't tell me. Then they choose the path of the blame game. They blame this person. They blame that person. I didn't know what I was buying just because the whole classroom was buying I buy for attendance of property guru courses right in other words it means that the level of knowledge in terms of property right somewhat big results in that kind of impulse buying the more you know about something right and the more certainty you have it's way easier to actually reject a person's sales promotion I don't blame the salesperson for being very aggressive you know because that's their bread and butter but it's your choice to actually learn how to reject you need to face the deal straight on like why is this deal so good and why is it so bad so that was the inspiration for Sean's take three on three right why do I need to mention three things bad and three things good about a project every project has its good and bad and if you are actually comfortable paying the price with the three bad things that I've highlighted then I think it's almost a goal for you because if you can already tolerate the worst part of the building, right, the rest is going to be just plus points for your purchase. Once again, this channel aims to encourage more people to make informed decisions and take calculated risks. So knowledge is power. Last but not least, I've learned that Malaysians do not appreciate Malaysian buildings as much as foreigners la. because after speaking to a few foreigners from the channel and speaking to a few agents that actually represents foreigners right a lot of foreigners do actually enjoy properties in Malaysia like the amount of infrastructure and the level of quality of it right is actually very high in comparison to our neighboring countries don't compare to Singapore only like because we always Malaysian right always try to compare with Singapore only but Singapore prices of property is way like even 10 times 8 times 10 times easily higher than ours many I think like the highest end that we went to is like maybe pavilion suites like 3,008 per square feet that is still considered very very cheap in the eye of the foreigners like I have audience from Canada from US right from Hong Kong from Taiwan and etc without even considering they think that those property is a buy is a definite buy because for a property with similar qualities in their country or their homeland right it's going to be way more expensive so that's the appreciation side of things it means that our malaysia's technique of building right is actually very high if you look into the pace of our construction work especially for infrastructure like roads and highways and mrts right it's actually very very good the only sad thing is that our maintenance is not as good because of the mentality of malaysians like if you look into a lot of brand new buildings let's say like four years five years when the JMB hands over the building to the new elected MC right the management committee the building starts deteriorating somewhat related to the previous point the strata community living concept is still not very much demonstrated like I still want to just come back to my house and just manage my own house can really lah why must I know who hires the security who runs the maintenance team then when shit happens in the apartment right then I complain like mad and these people's complain right no 
mercy one then you are the president you must do this for me you must do that for me first of all they don't get any pay out of it they are just doing out of their goodwill then number two whatever things this committee do right is an extra workload on top of their work family life then you still need to manage the building so residents especially in high rises right still have that entitlement right they are they need to be served just because they have bought that particular property la. so i don't think it's a fault of anyone just that the expectations is different so i would strongly suggest people to really pay your maintenance fees at least right a lot of people like they just skip maintenance fees and demand a lot of things and just because you didn't maintain that's why i don't want to pay it's not justified and with the new strata management act uh, a lot of these owners will be in trouble because they choose not to pay the maintenance fees lah. so i guess that's all for the findings for now because uh, i think there's still a lot more to share a lot a lot more but i guess i'll just break those topics further so i can elaborate further right so these are the main findings after documenting 100 different properties in malaysia kl johor right but once again i want to thank every one of you for watching and supporting the channel uh, i think in this moment of covid and we are all locked down at home right i think those reviews comes in very handy right now you can still visit properties although you are stuck at home just to learn how to evaluate a building to see what is inside and whether what's your take on this building is it a go is it a no go just to have some fun right and i hope that will somewhat entertain all of you at home and i hope everybody stays safe at home everybody in good health and i think that's all for this episode if you really like this episode like it share it and even subscribe for more information like this until next time this is sean tan stay safe bye